titled The Fire is Burning, the prophetic announcement of Jesus about the last sign that would come prior to our Lord's return. We read the verse twice. Let's look at it again. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. That's a tremendous, tremendous verse. I would also draw your attention to the third chapter of the Gospel of Matthew and the 11th verse for another statement that I think is important for us today. John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, the ministry of the Holy Spirit has many facets. Many symbols in Scripture are found to illustrate the various facets of ministry of the Holy Spirit. One of these, and perhaps the most striking, is fire. He will baptize you with the fire of the Holy Spirit, as Philip's translation presents that statement of John the Baptist in Matthew 3.11. Man has made fire to be one of his most useful servants. I took my dictionary off of the counter just to see what the writer would have to say about fire in the dictionary, and this is what I discovered, interestingly. I quote, there is no record of any human community without the use of fire. No record. So it means that man has learned how to use this commodity. God has also made fire to be one of his most useful servants and uses it as a means of manifesting his invisible self to finite man. And that's what this verse is all about in Matthew 24. This fire speaks of a last day revival that will shake the world. It speaks of a time when men are going to discover that they cannot get along without fire. That just form will not do and tradition will not do it will require the fire of the Holy Spirit. Not too many weeks ago in this community at Arco Arena, there was a six-hour celebration sponsored by the Catholic charismatic community. It had to do with fire. It had to do with divine healing. It had to do with being born again. It had to do with signs and wonders in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I spoke on Friday this week to a gathering of Catholic men at noontime in a downtown restaurant with the Monsignor of the Cathedral seated on my right hand. It was a most interesting and warm experience 
to share with men of the Catholic persuasion the reality of life in Jesus Christ today. It is amazing where our paths take us these days. You would be surprised where your pastor goes sometimes. But I want you to know it is because of this promise that Jesus made before he would return, there would be a revival unprecedented in the history of the world. And I believe we're in at least the beginning stages of that revival right now. We had you stand who have joined us since April the 1st, 1984. If we had an opportunity to take a microphone out and interview many of you, the story would be two years ago, I didn't care. Two years ago, my life was headed in a different direction. But now, by the grace of God, I love Jesus Christ. I'm changed. I'm filled with the Spirit. I wouldn't have believed that I would be here in a church on a day like this, worshiping and praising God. That's the story that you find all around the world. Three things about fire and that I think fit this prophecy that need to be shared today. Number one, fire is an instrument of demonstration. This week you may have seen the clips of news from Berkeley. It looked like the 60s. There was a demonstration about apartheid in South Africa. It's amazing what people can get all upset about. But they are, and they demonstrate. Now, the purpose of a demonstration is, of course, one-fold, attract attention. Nothing more readily does this than fire. If you really want to attract attention, just follow the fire truck. You'll find somebody who got attention. If there was a fire, people are there. And the authorities usually struggle to hold the people back from the fire. Everybody wants to see the fire. Men do not ignore fire. Well, do you see the spiritual connotation? If men cannot avoid fire, then God will use fire as a prophetic means to usher in the Lord's return. Moses needed to be attracted. So in the book of Exodus chapter 3, Moses' attention was drawn to a bush that was on fire. Now that was not all that uncommon. In the desert, through spontaneous combustion, a bush could burst into flame. But the unique thing about this bush was that it was not consumed. It kept burning. And whenever the fire did go out, the bush was still intact. Isn't that something? So that's what drew Moses' attention. God needed to speak to Moses, and so he set a bush on fire and did not consume the bush to impress upon Moses that he wanted him to go and deliver the oppressed Israelites from Egypt. 
God said to him in that third chapter of Exodus, I will come down. I have heard their cry. I have seen their oppression. And I will come down and help them. And Moses was clapping his hands. Praise God. He's going to come down and help our people. And then you drop down about four verses and you'll find the words, Moses, you go. That's how God goes through the Moseses of this world. That's why I went Friday, and that's why I keep going, is because God has called and said, Go, and with my fire, bring the warmth of my life into people's lives. And it's exciting, friend, to see it mushrooming and building and exploding in place to place as we see this prophecy come to pass. I want to tell you, the fire is burning today, and you ought to be a part of it. You ought not to just stand and watch it happen, be involved in it. What about the day of Pentecost? God wanted the attention of the world drawn to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So we read in Acts 2, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitudes came together. Oh, when you have something going, the crowds come. When the Spirit of God is moving and there's fire, people want to be a part of it. It was Moody who said, get the church on fire and the people will come to see it burn. And it's true. And that's the kind of day we live in. And yet, even though we see and hear the mighty works of God from place to place, there are people who are not involved. They stick their head in the church door for an hour or so, and that's it. They're not really where the warmth is, not really where the fire is, but it's time to get in. And with excitement, I preach this message to you today because I believe it's going to happen in a way that we've never dreamed possible before because of the prophecy. This gospel shall be preached to all the world as a witness, and then shall the end come, and it can only be done with fire because fire is a demonstration. It draws attention, and it's happening. Any church whose members are baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire are going to command attention wherever they go. The fire cannot be ignored. The bush on the desert was useless until the fire came upon it. So we could have a new thing here, BF and AF, before fire and after fire. No voice from the bush until the fire. Well, I'm interested in the fire. How about you? I'm interested in touching this city. I'm interested in touching this state, this country, our world. And God has given us fire, an instrument of demonstration to bring in the fulfillment of Matthew 24, 14. This gospel shall be preached as a witness. And every one of us here needs to be involved in it. Second thing about fire, it's an instrument of authorization. 
God has evidenced his stamp of approval by manifestations of fire throughout Scripture. Mount Carmel, for example. Elijah was outnumbered 450 to 1. He needed an indisputable indication of God's approval on his life to turn the hearts of the Israelites from idolatry. How did God do that? In 1 Kings 18, the Bible says, The God that answereth by fire, let him be God, and the fire fell. The water-soaked sacrifice was consumed, and when all the people saw it, verse 39 of 1 Kings 18, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. What did that? The fire. When the fire fell, as an authorization of this prophetic mantle on Elijah, the people exclaimed, The Lord, He is the God. What are some of our young people looking for in parents? The fire. They want to know it's real. Not that you talk one thing on Sunday and live Another thing during the week, they want to know it's real. They want to see the authorization of this thing called Christianity. They need to see it in all of us. The fire is God's authorization of his presence, the authorization of his power, the authorization of his person. Without the fire, we have no credentials. But with the fire, we have the authorization that God is moving, God is working. There are healings and conversions and demonstrations of God's presence. God grant it more and more as the end comes nearer. King Ahaziah in 2 Kings 1 and his battle with Elijah the prophet is another interesting story that I would draw to your attention. Most intriguing it covers this whole first chapter of 2 Kings. Ahaziah fell through the lattice of his upper room in Samaria and was injured. Interesting, he fell through the roof. Sent messengers and go, he said, inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this injury. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Now therefore, thus says the Lord, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So Elijah departed. Well, that struck fear into the hearts of those servants, and they ran back to Ahaziah to give him the news of the prophet. And it displeased him greatly. He said, who told you that? And they said, a hairy man. He said, I know who it is. It's Elijah. He already had credentials of power. So the king determined to take the prophet out of the way because of his pronouncement of death. And he sent a captain with 50 men to get Elijah and put him away. And Elijah was sitting on the top of a hill, meditating, when the captain with his fifty came upon him. Elijah saw them coming, 
And the Lord sent what? Fire from heaven and consumed the 50. Just like that. Poof. So Ahaziah says, I'll send another group. So he sent a captain with 50 more, and the same exact thing happened. It's all there in the chapter. They too were destroyed by fire. So he sent a third group. Can you imagine? And the captain of the third group was smarter than the other two. He bowed his knee before Elijah, the servant of the Lord. And he pled with him not to allow this to happen. Smart man, wisdom prevailed. And so as the third captain knelt in the presence of the prophet, Verse 13 of that chapter says, he acknowledged him as a man of God. How was it? Through the fire. In these crises hours, the voice of the church need not be weak and, uh, and apologetic. As we move toward the coming of the Lord, this gospel shall be preached in all the earth as a witness. To all nations it shall be preached, and then shall the end come. Sacramento's going to hear the gospel. California will hear the gospel. America will hear the gospel. The islands will hear the gospel. Third world countries will hear the gospel. The authorization is the fire of the Holy Spirit working through the people of God. I want to be a part of that. I want to see that in my lifetime. The fire of God being demonstrated in this earth of humanism and materialism and atheism. If you're with me, say amen. amen. It's that last great sign. Philip the layman in the book of Acts became a powerful tool for God after Pentecost, after the fire. Man, hear me. You need the fire. Every man that hears me, you need the fire of God in your bosom. You need the conscious presence of Jesus every day. You need to get into prayer groups, Bible studies, services where Jesus is real and the fire is falling. Women, you need to get into those Tuesday Bible studies and prayer meetings and into Women Alive and young people. You need to give your life to Jesus Christ and serve Him without compromise. Let the fire of God burn out the dross and bring Jesus Christ as a real person to your bosom. The fire is the authorization of the message. And God sent Oh, send the fire. The third thing is that fire is an instrument of purification. The 12th verse of Matthew 3, following that statement of John the Baptist says, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Fire, by its very nature, is a refining, purifying agent. The Holy Spirit is about that business today, purifying and making whole his church. The refiner skillfully applies the fire to extract the dross and to bring forth the pure gold. 
How long would it take to extract the gold from a ton of gold-bearing ore by beating away at it with a hammer and a chisel? It would be an impossible task. But apply the fire and a golden stream will soon emerge from the ore. So it is in the church of Jesus Christ when the fire is applied it withers the old nature so that the new may live. Hallelujah. Some of you have been saying, oh, I want to be alive in Christ. I really want to be a servant of Jesus. I want to live for him every day. Well, here's how it happens. The fire is a purifier. You get under the fire of the Holy Spirit and it withers the old nature so that the new may grow. It consumes the lust of the flesh. You can go to all the seminars you want, read all the books you want, do all that this world can offer you if you will, and you'll still be the same old lustful individual. But when you get under the fire, of the Holy Spirit, the fire will burn up the lust of the flesh and you will come out that new man clothed and made like unto Jesus is. The fire is a purifier. The old nature may elude a baptism in water, but it will never elude a baptism in fire. It cannot. And so it's all a part of this prophetic scripture the gospel shall be preached with purification. There is not going to be a tattered remnant taken out. Tis a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, washed in the blood of the Lamb. And I'm a part of it. Hallelujah. Aren't you? Elijah was raised up to vindicate God's honor, to check and punish idolatry to keep alive a faithful remnant in Israel when all the powers around him were leagued together to destroy and smother true religion. What a comparison to today. Hell is out to destroy godliness. The fire of God must again fall. Politicians are making laws that favor the ungodly that favor the sinner, that favor deviant lifestyle as we have seen in our own city this week? Do we pull back and say, well, there's nothing we can do about it. It's just going to get worse and worse. No, not if you follow the pattern of Scripture. Elijah was raised up to vindicate God's honor. We are today's Elijahs. We are raised up to vindicate God's honor. The world must see that this is the truth and that if we do not abide by the truth, we will be destroyed. So the fire must fall in order that men may see that God means what he says. And in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. There is the promise. The coming of God at power in Pentecost must have been awe-inspiring to the waiting host. They had no anticipation of the way in which the Holy Spirit was going to descend. They were simply told to tarry in Jerusalem. 
But divine energy swept into that place, and it must have been tremendous. We have had last evening a powerful prayer meeting in the chapel with several hundred people. This morning, your staff and leaders have met to seek the face of God that into this temple today that Holy Spirit would again sweep with fire and with power to burn up the dross, eradicate the sin, and make Jesus the Lord real to us once again. Why? So we can go out of here and impress our society. Jesus is alive. And as the Holy Spirit does that, the prophecy will be fulfilled. Oh, God, send the fire! Send the fire! Send the fire! One interesting thing about Acts 2.17, it says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men will see visions. So where, where are we prophetically? Easy to discover. The Lord says the Spirit of God will come upon the young. We have seen the greatest youth revival probably in the history of the world in the Jesus movement or what is known as the Jesus revolution. We've got some sitting down here. I know Chris Howard was in that group. You should have seen him before Jesus got a hold of him. Pretty handsome guy now, but he was raunchy then. I mean, they were running everywhere. The Bob Maddoxes and the Chris Howards. Long beards, long hair, they even smelled. <laughs> but the Jesus movement began and baptism of thousands in the Pacific Ocean and in churches in Pat Boone's swimming pool and other unbelievable places. What was it? It was a revival of the youth. Now some of those are ministers and deacons in our church. Hallelujah. Now there are four characteristics of the hour when the fire is burning, and they're very simple. Salvation by faith, we believe that. You can't get to heaven without it. Healing through the atonement, we believe Jesus has power to heal. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, we can have a prayer language and be powerful in prayer and communion with God. And we believe in the return of Jesus Christ. Those four doctrines again surfaced like they'd never surfaced before. And they were preached everywhere. Jesus can save you. Jesus can heal you. Jesus can baptize you. And Jesus is coming to get you. Amen. Hallelujah! Now, what the world says is that's radical. No, it isn't radical. It's normal Christianity. That's all it is, is radical, normal Christianity. The dying world desperately needs this testimony. So what are we going to do? We're going to find out the schedule that you people will respond to. And I'm going to teach and preach and stomp my feet and pray the glory of God down until fire consumes us and we become what God wants us to be in this hour just before Jesus Christ returns. He hasn't been allowing us to build this and bring all of you together just to say what a nice thing this is. 
He wants us to shake up our world. And this prophecy sets it in motion for us. A church cannot be measured by how unanimously they support the pastor and the program, but by how many sick souls get cured. Wherever Jesus is, there will always be a clamoring throng. Empty churches mean the Lord isn't near the place. That's why I'm so pleased to see ours filling up. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. The fire is burning. In some of these other countries where persecution has hit, we have learned what the fire will do, and I'm telling you, it's getting close to home. And you'd better be ready. Brother Ed Nelson, the secretary of our foreign missions department, met with some of us in the city just one month ago on a Friday night. He shared with us one incredible story after another of the fire burning in Nicaragua. You've heard of it, haven't you? In Nicaragua, a leading deacon in one of the churches who was a prominent person in the city was having too much influence. The communist soldiers marched into the church and drug him out of the building on a service, at a service time when the building was packed. Drug him out to an open field and ate. Communist soldiers leveled their rifles at this assembly of God deacon, spirit-filled deacon, and the leader said, fire! And eight shots rang out, and that man fell to the ground. The soldiers finally left. When they were gone, the man jumped to his feet and ran to his home. When he got to his home, there were eight bullet holes in the front of his shirt, and there were eight bullet holes in the back of his shirt, but there wasn't one mark on his body anywhere. He was delivered by the power of God. That's not fantasy. That's reported by our own workers. A pastor was fired upon in the church. The bullets went through his body and they found them in the wall behind him. But there was no harm to his body whatsoever. I want to ask you a question, friend. Do you have fire like that burning in your soul? Do you have fire like that in your life so that when the rifles are leveled at you, you know, live or die, you're the Lord's. And he's sovereign and he can do anything he wants to. But I'm telling you this, we're coming into an era that Matthew 24, 14 refers to. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness and then shall the end come. And if we won't listen one way, God will have other ways. He will have signs and wonders and miracles that you've never dreamed of before because the fire is the way God manifests his glory to an unregenerate world, and it's happening, and we want it to happen here. 
Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Nobody moving, please, now. Hold steady. Before I pray and before we do something that is going to be very meaningful to everybody in this room, I want to ask how many of you would be honest enough with me and with the Lord to say, if Jesus would come today, I wouldn't be ready. I would not be prepared for the coming of Christ. And Pastor Cole, I need you to pray for me and with me this morning. I want to give my life to Jesus. Would you raise up your hand even before we pray? I want to see your hand. Yes, ma'am. Thank you over here on my left. Thank you back here, sir, right in front of me. God bless you. Thank you over here on the aisle, sir. God bless you. Thank you over to my right, way over here on this side. Thank you. I see your hand. Raise it up, then put it down once I've seen it. Hold it there until I've seen it, however. Thank you. Another on my right. Thank you. How about up this balcony section if Jesus were to come today? Would you be ready, friend? If not, raise your hand and say, I want the fire in my life. I want Jesus to be real to me. Raise your hand. Come to Jesus today. He loves you, cares about you. Others, yes, thank you over here. God bless you. How many more? Raise them up. Raise them up. God bless you. Another, would you do me a favor, those of you who have raised your hands, because of the way I'm going to close this service, I've got to do this a little different. I want you to stand to your feet so that people around you can pray with you as I pray here. Would you mind? We're not going to embarrass you. We just want you to stand so people will know that you're in need of Jesus and you're reaching out to him right now. Just do it. You raised your hand. Now just stand up to your feet because I want somebody there to minister to you. Please do it right now. Thank you. Thank you. Just stand right up. You raised your hand. Now follow that with your body. Stand up. Thank you. Several over here. Now those around who know the Lord, will you just stand with these dear ones and pray with me as we lift them to the Lord? Anybody else want to stand? You do it right now. Now as we pray, my friend, Jesus is going to come. Ask him into your life as you stand there with us. Everybody now joining. Father, in the name of Jesus, let the Spirit of God make the truth real that he died for sinners. And as we open our hearts, the Son of God comes in to take up his abode. Come into these who have stood to their feet, indicating they wanted Christ in their life. Let us all pray now together out loud. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I invite you into my heart. Thank you for receiving me. I want to live for you from this day forward. Thank you for touching me today. Thank you for the friends around me. I want to be a part of your family. And I thank you that today you brought me here where I could receive your grace. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Those of you who have stood after we have dismissed, I would like you to come down and see one of our pastors and pick up a tape that I've made, a booklet from Dr. Billy Graham that will help you. I want you to take it with you. Don't go away without receiving that material.
Now, friends, some months ago, we had an anointing service for the entire congregation. We took cotton balls that were saturated with the anointing oil. And by the way, this is oil that I brought from Jerusalem. So it's special oil. It's the real olive oil from the city of Jerusalem. And I think that's significant. And I received word from so many what a blessing that anointing service was. And after my, my message on the fire is burning and feeling the heartbeat of this congregation, I want this oil, this anointing time, to be a symbol of what's going to happen as we go out of these doors to touch our world. The fire is going to burn through us and draw through us. The ministers and the elders are going to just quickly move up the aisle and they will anoint the first person, the one on the end, and they will take the cotton ball and anoint the person next to them on the forehead and that person will anoint the next until it reaches the other end and then they will return and pick up the cotton balls. It will only take a few moments. But as we do, we're going to pray for the Spirit of God to move in and touch us. The oil is what? The symbol of the Holy Spirit. When you feel that oil on your forehead, feel the Holy Spirit. Experience the Holy Spirit who will make Jesus real, the Bible live, and testimony not a drag but a privilege. Stand with me as we prepare to do this. You understand it now? The leader will anoint the person on the end, pass it to the next by anointing them into the next, and then the one on the end hold it until the brethren come back to pick up the cotton ball. Hallelujah. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And God, by his Holy Spirit, is now moving in our midst. Thanks be to God. Now, Holy Spirit, as we begin to anoint, may your power flow through this building. May people standing now where they are make an altar and say, Jesus, I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to be filled with your power. Hallelujah.